This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's It's Rog, Dennis Rodgman. It's Friday, and you are listening to WGFOP The Bald, the show that emerged like millions of cicadas from their underground lairs for the first time in 17 years. It is Friday, not just any Friday, but we are ahead of Memorial Day weekend, and as a freshly minted American, I will say, these holidays still hit differently for me. Both their core meaning and the accompanying resonance of just how lucky I am as a Liverpool-born gent to have walked a journey where days like this one and July 4th are part of my being. For all of us, Memorial Day, it's a weird one. It carries a a real juxtaposition of meanings. It's a day in which we honour those who lost their lives in active military service and remember them. A day which also marks the giddy start to summer replete with barbecues, burgers, ice-cold beers, trips to the beach. And in terms of what's happening to our nation right now, that contrast feels more sobering than ever. So I'll just say this. Let this weekend be one in which we all appreciate just being alive and bring an overwhelming feeling of gratitude for what we do have. Life, family, being... Oh, producer J-Dubs keeps telling me that this whole experience has recalibrated moral compasses back to true north. Or at least it should have. So this weekend, let's think about that. And the spirit of Lincoln at Gettysburg. They here gave the last full measure of devotion. One small piece of business ahead of Memorial Day on new NHL show, Men in Blazers on Ice. Who thought of that great name? Debuts Monday, 5.30pm Eastern Time oh, on NBCSN. The show, which is a product of our partnership with our mates at Jägermeister, was one of the most fascinating parts of 2020 so far. God, it feels like years ago, but it was magnificent to sit down in episode one with Stanley Cup MVP Ryan O'Reilly, Tampa Bay Hodor Victor Hedman and my hero, TJ Oshi, babe. Oh, it is soaked in empathy. The whole show, tenacity and collective wonder. Please spread the word so we can do more, more, more. Tell your friends that it's a last dance replacement. Okay, you are listening to WGFOP The Board. Let's descend into the madness with a sting. WGFO. of the ball. <sighs> this is actually amazing. Sounds like some later Brian Wilson stuff. Something after Pet Sounds, but before Smile. It was created by Marcus Ricci of Seattle. Marcus writes, I was moved to record this little ditty after listening to your conversation with Jason Isbell. Cathartic weeping in the shower is becoming a relaxing part of my routine. After listening to Daryl Morey wax poetic tonight while I did the dishes, I felt a yearning to record. Oh, more to come. Please let there be more, Marcus. Let there be more. You are a talented man and stings our life. Question one, America. Hey, Raj. This is Will from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm a North Carolina Courage 
season ticket holder and an Arsenal fan, which means I must be in pleasure and pain. I have taken the liberty of developing the Men in Blazers Content Generation Machine Hall of Fame, and I have inducted eight members into that Hall of Fame to date. They include players Phil Jones, Dejan Lovren, David Luiz, and John Joe Shelby. Managers, Jose Mourinho, Louis Van Gaal, Sam Allardyce, and Jurgen Klopp. My question to you, Raj, is who would be your next two inductees into the Men and Blazers Content Generation Machine Hall of Fame? Courage. Will from Chapel Hill, you sound like a Tar Hill Dr. Seuss character. I also love the clunky name you've come up with. The Men in Blazers Content Generation Machine Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. Your list is actually a great starting point. Broj Def has to be on there somewhere, though. He is one of the greats. And it doesn't matter what conversation you are having about goats. Broj has to be in it, if only in his own mind. Other additions off the top of my head. Tony Hibbert. The world claw. How has he not had his last dance treatment? Ten Eps would not do. Tony Hibbo justice. And then Xhaka, Fred, Giossi have really made the last series of Men in Blazers come alive. And by come alive, I mean flushable straight down the toilet. Love and John Joe Shelby, great shouts. They, when you calculate the stat that Daryl Morey would use, MIB BPS, which is bits per start, um, I mean, but really, they're crap and they don't play that much. So I would replace them with a man who's given us so much life wisdom over the years, Mr. Jamie Vardy. Cheers, boys. Wouldn't have been able to do it without all here, but um, the gaffer just said that he's going to put some beers on the coach in the plane. But the GOAT, the GOAT, the M-I-B-G-O-A-T, most definitely LVG, Mr. Louis van Gaal. I think the first half we played uh, like Queen's Park Rations uh, played. Queen's Park Rations, Queen's Park Rations. God, listening to that, I hope you're listening, Louis. I miss you. I take back almost everything that I said about you. Louis van Gaal's army! <laughs> Louis van Gaal's army! When he was fired, I can tell you now, I honestly wept when the news broke through that Louis van Gaal was gone for more life. Because if you actually tot up his last season, he was 57% of the Men in Blazers show that year. And honestly, when I heard he was fired, I thought, holy crap, we have nothing left to talk about. Next question. Hi, uh, this is Zoe in Austin, Texas. The club I support is, of course, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, and my question is kind of related to that team, namely Jurgen Klopp. Love the guy. Wonderful coach, absolutely hilarious to listen to in both English and in German. And I think Liverpool was a really good destination for him. But there are other clubs probably interested in his service. And I want to know what I should do, how I should feel if he betrays me and goes to an objectively terrible team such as Real Madrid uh, or the worst of the worst possibilities. If he goes to that horror team, Bayern München. As always, uh, love your show. Thank you for your time. And as the Germans would say, Moot. Bye. Moot, Zoe. Moot. Oh, courage. Im Deutsch. Look, I don't think you have too much to worry about. I say that because Jurgen Klopp, as a leader, is just a serial monogamist. He was at Mainz for seven and a half seasons. 
And then after that, Dortmund, seven more seasons, leaving both clubs utterly transformed on and off the field. And now Liverpool, he has to go to clubs where his control is strong and cannot be undermined by the volatility of board politics, which really is the definition of Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. I cannot imagine him operating with joy at either of those two settings. You know, Klopp, at his core, is a man of values. His strength is is his authenticity. He leads by example. He lives his values. Honesty and truth are really his sword and his shield. And, you know, you see that in the way that he rebounded from the heartbreak this time last year of a super close title chase loss to Manchester City where the dream was in the fingertips and then it turned into shattered Premier League hope to rebound from that and unfurl a campaign of total dominance, dominance that could only be undone by Watford and coronavirus. That is humanly remarkable. And I think what is going to be fascinating is this. Look, English football is coming back. I've never been more confident of that. I've had my doubts. If you would have asked me two weeks ago, felt a lot more fragile. But Germany has proved ghost games are viable. And then you see this week the optics of our English heroes returning in their Lambos with their feral haircuts to trot back onto training grounds across the English nation. You know, first of all, the clips that the English clubs are releasing <laughs> are taking my breath away. I, I looked at Ox training, just tapping the ball in between posts, moving, spinning, first touch. Oh, and I forgot Ox is even better at football than he is at dancing up tiny sets of stairs. And Ox's Liverpool are six points from the title. And what is going to be fascinating, getting back to Klopp, is this. What happens in Jurgen Klopp's mind and in his heart when he achieves his goal? Six more points. That title that Liverpool have dreamed of, have yearned for, for 30 long years. That is going to be coming with trophy, in some people's eyes, with asterisk, who cares, to the club. And that title will cement Jurgen Klopp's legend eternally because that's an act. What is up there with that act of solving Liverpool's greatest core challenge? What that, that is like... Arya Stark somehow finding it deep within herself to kill the Night King. You know, ballads will be written about Jurgen Klopp, tapestries woven. What we don't know is how will Jurgen Klopp react? It's an incredible achievement summiting that mountain. Does he have it within him to go again? To give more? To set new goals? Or does he, a man who at Dortmund was exhausted at the end of his tenure, when he realised that a team could collapse like a souffle. One minute it's there, challenging for titles, for Champions League finals. The next, it is gone. It is gone. And he completed his mission at Mainz too. Does he reload? Does he go again? Is he like Jordan Hendo? Go again, Jimmy Milner. Go again. Or does he just decide? And I can see this. I can see this. Does he just ride off into the sunset? with his dog and a rather large packet of Marlboro Reds 
and probably a signed copy of Bobby Firmino's teeth never to be seen again? That's the question because there are not too many teams Klopp can coach at with his values. He needs passion. He needs working class roots. He needs blue collar hard work. No nonsense. Sounds like Everton. But with nothing left to prove, I do wonder what this man will do. My advice Enjoy him while you got him. Never take him for granted. Make memories while you can. Next question, please. Hey, guys. This is John from Durham, NC. I'm a big fan of Sunderland, Till I Die, the show, and I support Arsenal. My big question, uh, in light of the news that Everton will be wearing Hummel next year, and I suppose on a lesser note that Watford will be outfitted by Kelmay, I am wondering what your hierarchy of kit suppliers looks like. And, Raj, I know you've been quite complimentary of Lecoq's sportif in the past. Uh, do they top the list, or what does the top five look like? Thanks. Courage. John of Durham. Oh, I do love me some Lecoq sportif. Good listening. I remember when those kits started to drift across England in the 1980s. They are only available in really chic sports stores. St. Etienne's shirt was the first I'd ever seen. And they just incorporated such a style. They were shiny, the shirts. They had a bit of felt stuff on the sponsor part, the logo. And it was like reaching out to touch the future with my own fingertips when I first saw them in one of Liverpool's fancier sports stores. My brother actually saved up his pocket money, Nige, and brought one and then gave it to me. When, God love her, my mum had left the iron on it for too long, burnt a hole straight through the back. But I didn't care about that hole. I still wore that. Oh, and to pull on that Lecoq Sportif logo made me tingle to do so. I also love Umbro. I love the Everton kits of the 70s and 80s with their piping with the Umbro logo down the sleeve. That, to me, is proper OG football. Hummel, though. Are class, and I know, I know, Everton fans are a bit bummed out by the move. Feels a bit day class A, but my God, look up Hummel. They're kits, they're retro kits, kitting out Real Madrid's vulture squad in the late eighties and early nineties. Spurs, some of Spurs' most beautiful kits in my imagination from the eighties. Hummel, Denmark's nineteen eighty six kit is a legit. One of the greatest international jerseys of all time. So go for it, Hummel. I made love to the news that Hummel and Everton are partnering. And Hummel, I know you're listening. Incorporate a dash of the retro in Everton next season. And I will kiss football. All I ask is that Everton have a kit half as tasty as the Portland Thorns and Chicago Red Stars. I'd bite your arm off for that. I was actually chatting to producer Jonah. And he wanted me to make sure I sang the praises of the old school American counterfeit, the good old fake jersey. He told me that when he was a kid, his parents would only ever buy him knockoff jerseys. They'd always say, it's cheaper. And what's the difference anyway? And they'd bring him back stuff from swap meets and street vendors and on eBay. And at the time, he he hated pulling them on then because he knew they were lesser. But the older he's got, and he's a wonderful, wonderful, aesthetic human being, Jonah, with an incredible touch of design. And he's come to love, he says, the counterfeit jersey. All of the tiny little ways 
the creators skate around the copyright images with a slightly misspelled name here, a slightly dented crest there. It's actually unbelievable in its own right. We would love to assemble a museum of American Premier League counterfeit jerseys. That is American soccer might in action. Oh, send us photos of your dodgiest Premier League or international jerseys that you have brought in America. Totally, totally counterfeit. And let's revel. Let's revel in the majesty and the madness. I need a sting. You're listening to WGFOP. Rock and roll beacon. Oh, Steve Thorne, you great American, and hello all in Oklahoma this Memorial Day weekend from all of us at WGFOP The Ball. Question the fourth. Hey, Roger, Chris from Westland, Oregon, Everton, U.S. National Team, Galaxy, Portland Thorne, and of course the Schalke now fan. A couple of days ago, I found out that my boss's boss is a GFOP. Uh, He actually has the Stephen Fry painting of you behind him in his office, and I saw it on uh, one of our web meetings, and I was just wondering if you had any advice of if or how I should address the situation. Courage, and come on you, Blue. Oh, Chris, this question was so good, so layered, that we needed to investigate a little bit deeper, as we say, so we dialed up Chris in Oregon to talk about his predicament and give him the advice in person. Oh, Chris. Hello, gorgeous. How are you? <laughs> good, how are you? Oh, good now, mate. You are an Evertonian, right? I am. A Schalke fan. And Schalkerton. A, and a US men's national team fan. Men's and women's. That's the three horsemen of the apocalypse, if you leave out our <laughs> glorious, glorious women. This the awful moment has happened to you in the workplace. <laughs> but one question. Is it just you... And your boss, and your boss's boss. So is this a pyramid of people? That particular call was a lot of people. I was just kind of listening in mainly. The person that was on the call that had the portrait probably has two to 300 people working under him, including I th- I th- myself. I think the technical word is underlings. This is an, underlings, amazing, yep. this is an amazing, not just the boss, but the boss's boss has that on his wall. It's a bit like he's on a Zoom and he's got some spinach in his teeth or he's got his fly open. <laughs> It's like one of those awkward moments. You're not quite sure whether you let him know he's got the spinach in the teeth, the fly open, the rog poster on the wall, or whether you just let it fly. And then also you're saying, hey, I got spinach in my teeth and my fly's open also. (laughs) At work, I use my rog coffee mug every day. And it's, it's kung fu fighting on the back, and everyone always comments and says, kung fu fighting, oh, that's funny. And then, and then they go, wait, who's that guy? And I'm like, oh, it's a soccer podcast thing. It's hard to explain. So that's about the most interaction I've ever had around men and blazers at work. And then to find out that, like, the director is also a GFOP, it was kind of, like, shocking. God, one minute you think your boss's boss is just a total Davo. Suddenly, he's revealed to be a bit more of a rodge. I mean, what is up is down. What is down is up. The first thought I had about this is it could be a trap, Chris. It could be a you could be the <laughs> Your boss's boss is actually using a Zoom background to pick out people who recognize my face, Rog face, and immediately fire them. It could be like a, a fly zapper. Here's the reality. You've got to mention it. You've got to mention it. This is the news. Are you ready for this? Because mm-hmm. 
on a group Zoom call, this new work reality in which we may be for, oh, for longer than we care to imagine. Fortune favours the bold. The bold, sorry, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> You're going to just casually, Chris, slip in an MIB nugget. Just slip in like an occasional courage if you want to just kind of test the waters. Ah, there just you go. Like, do you really want the job of your dreams? Channel Steve Booze in out of nowhere while he's giving a, a very key part of the PowerPoint presentation. Just scream, Beacon! Beacon! Do you see? Wait for the reaction. That could work. Next time I'm on the call, I'll sign off by saying courage and see if he picks up on it. Get ready for a big promotion or to be fired immediately. Those are the David Moyes rules. The other thing you can do, channel Dan Aykroyd's advice in trading places. Think big, think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, Chris. That's the other guy's problem. Are you ready to update your LinkedIn? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Courage. Bottom line takeaway from that conversation, put in the work, GFOPs, and watch your status escalate. We'll just hope and pray your boss likes our crap. We love speaking to Chris, and we'll be calling another one of you back next week. To answer your question live and in person, call 646-450-9472. That's 646-450-9472. And you might be creeped out by having me call you next week. Last question, please, nurse. Hi, Raj. This is Sarah from Boston. Um, I uh, I like all football teams. I'm one of those people who kind of cheers for, for both sides whenever I see something nice on the pitch. But I do have a special place in my heart for our... U.S. national teams, especially if they're playing against a Dutch national team. So my question for you is that I uh, recently had a family member pass away, and um, all the traditional ways of dealing with uh, such changes, you know, are kind of not available right now. Um, And, you know, I'm sitting in my apartment. Nothing has changed in the past two months. So I was wondering if I could have your thoughts about uh, how to how to stay in in touch with a, a life truly lived and, and felt um, while I'm here in my own bu- bubble. Thanks, courage. Bye. Sarah from Boston. I am so sorry for your loss, and to all of you who are listening, who have lost a loved one in this time of darkness, our hearts are with you. My wife's. 101-year-old grandmother, Celia Dollar, has just entered hospice care. So I feel your suffering in this moment. And your question is such a good one. You know, this isolated life we are living, it does grind you down. There's a low-grade existential fear that is impossible to extinguish, the sluggish meltdown of time, and the lack of human variation that can make you feel like a zombie. Oh, Rog, the golem. So... The best way to shake that stupor, I mean, you've done the best thing to be candid. You've recognized it first and foremost, articulating that feeling. I think it's half the challenge. And then acting upon it by speaking about it, talking to people who are with you or even via Zoom. I often find just talking about a bad feeling instantly halves it. And then creativity is your friend and can help more than I can say. Whatever form that takes, you know. One person's strumming away at a banjo is another person's jigsaw puzzling or or book reading or nerd movie marathoning like Daryl Morey. And above all, one of the best ways to feel human again 
is I find exposure to great art which will shake you out of a stupor like nothing else it can be oh museum exhibits online it can be great writing incredible movies incredible movies just heighten the senses one idea that I've had I've taken up writing letters to my really good friends I mean this is a idea from producer Miranda who suggested that I start writing physical old school letters young listeners have your parents explain exactly what they are because I don't have time but the physicality of it it makes you feel more connected than with virtual communication and I can tell you this few things make you feel more alive than just the joyous surprise Oh, of unexpected mail. That's what I'd say. Work out what works for you. Everybody is different, but just keep working at it, working at it. Do not let yourself stop working at it. And I'd note, as I say this, today marks our 70th day in lockdown life. It, it, it does feel like some kind of a first mountain we've climbed as we approach this, this mark. We made it over two months of isolation. It is a milestone of sorts. But it's also like getting to the top of a peak and realising there are more peaks ahead. So enjoy this weekend. This weekend of Bundesliga, of buds, of burgers, of birding, of banjos and chess. Oh, we have to. We need to. We deserve to. But we also have to steal ourselves for what is to come because, if anything, we are just at the end of the beginning. We are. And... We thought about this last night when we communed with GFOP essential workers from across the nation for a Zoom happy hour. You know, to have the chance to lift the spirits of doctors, nurses, hospital staff, delivery drivers and supermarket frontline employees. It was so humbling. Their fearlessness and sacrifice, those are the things for which we're forever grateful. And I'll think about them too over Memorial Day. A Memorial Day in which I'm going to leave you with the words of our friend, Bob Lee, oh, the general, who came onto our pod to read a Ronald Reagan speech from the 40th anniversary of D-Day in which he honoured army rangers who stormed the cliffs, scaled the cliffs of Point Duoc. Before I hand to Bob, let me wish you all a memorial day of meaning with love from all of us at Men in Blazers, especially our team of magnificent producers, Jonah, Jordan, Miranda and the mighty, mighty J-Dubs. Oh, to you, my beloved GFOPs, know that I, Rog, am encouraging and will be back on Tuesday. Until then, here's Bob Lee, the General. We stand on a lonely, windswept point on the northern shore of France. The air is soft, but 40 years ago at this moment, the air was dense with smoke and the cries of men, and the air was filled with the crack of rifle fire and the roar of cannon. At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 rangers jumped off the British landing craft and ran to the bottom of these cliffs. Their mission was one of the most difficult and daring of the invasion, to climb these sheer and desolate cliffs and take out the enemy guns. The Allies had been told that some of the mightiest of these guns were here, and they would be trained on the beaches to stop the Allied advance. The rangers looked up and saw the enemy soldiers, the edge of the cliff shooting down at them with machine guns and throwing grenades and the American Rangers began to climb. They shot rope ladders over the face of these cliffs and began to pull themselves up. When one Ranger fell, another would take his place. When one rope was cut, a Ranger would grab another and begin his climb again. They climbed, shot back, and held their footing. Soon, 
one by one, the rangers pulled themselves over the top, and in seizing the firm land at the top of these cliffs, they began to seize back the continent of Europe. 225 came here. After two days of fighting, only 90 could still bear arms. Behind me, and again, these are the words of Ronald Reagan, behind me is a memorial that symbolizes the ranger daggers that were thrust into the top of these cliffs. And before me, and he's looking at the people, these, these rangers standing and seated right in front of him. Before me are the men who put them there. These are the boys of Puenduac. These are the men who took the cliffs. These are the champions who helped free a continent. These are the heroes who helped end a war. Mm. 